What's going on, cool Christian nerd community? This is your host, your brother, from another mother but the same Heavenly Father, Jamie Centeno. This podcast will help you to be the smart one in what matters in any social gathering you're in while keeping your cool factor. Now, how's this going to go down? I thought I'd hit up some of the smartest, most experienced, most keeping it real people I know to talk about subjects they are prolific in and that matter. If you are a younger believer still working out how you are seeing the world and wondering how a person of faith should engage it, this is the podcast for you. I want to keep it brief but beefy with helpful info. Let's go. Well, today we have a special guest, David Diga Hernandez. He's my good friend. He's a healing evangelist as well. He's a TV host of a TV program called Encounter TVs. Today, I have him on the line because we're going to be talking about what it takes to write a book. He's an author of over 12 books. And so today is a great day to learn something, especially if you have on your heart to write a book someday. Let's learn and listen together. Well, I'm on the line with Hernandez. How are you, my friend? Doing well, my friend. I'm glad to be doing this with you. Hey, man. You know, I thought I'd ask you before we get going here is what am I going to go with? Am I going to go with David or Diga? How should I address you? Yeah. Uh, you can you can call me you call me Diga. You're my friend. So. Okay. So you hear that everybody else, keep it to Mr. <laughs> David. <laughs> hey, man, how's it out there? Sunny California. Is the weather as beautiful as it is over here? Always sunny Southern California. The, uh, the weather is always perfect. That's excellent. Well, man, I know you are, uh, you are doing so many things. You're moving so many things around and your life is jam-packed with a bunch of awesomeness, and I'm so delighted to have you on this Cool Christian Nerd podcast, and this topic that we're on, the ABCs of writing your first book. So if there's people out there who are looking to get into books, and I have a suspicion that there's a lot of people out there that have some kind of book or material on their heart that they want to write, but just haven't gotten to it. So I think this is going to be so helpful to talk to you to maybe demystify uh, some of the things of what it takes to write a book. Right. No, I'm, I'm glad to be doing this. I think, I think there are a lot of hidden treasures and a lot of people, and I, I hope that this will help to bring out that revelation so others can hear what's inside of them. You started when you were pretty young. Uh, what was your, like, when you first wrote your first book, I mean, what, when was that? Well, it depends upon how you define you know, a published work. I mean, if you're talking about when I wrote something and it was put in a laminated binder and, and what have you, that would be the third grade. Uh, I was chosen for a writer's workshop class and I just, they kind of taught us the publishing process, the writing process, the editing process, themes and everything. And I still to this day have that, that book. It's a, it's a collection of my short stories that I had written that entire year. And that, that, so that was my first uh, book, as you would call it, but it wasn't published and sent everywhere. I didn't publish a book until I was about 14 years old. And I used uh, what was called at the time Trafford Publishing, 
which was basically a vanity press type of uh, publishing company. And so we worked with them and basically it's where you pay to get your book published. And that one was on several different websites and whatnot. That's neat. I mean, that's still pretty young was when you were finishing that uh, first that written material in what did you say the third grade? Oh well, third grade was that the the little book of my short stories, and then fourteen right. was when I wrote wrote to that Christian inspirational book for teenagers. Well, I mean, going back to the third grade, was there something there that it was like an epiphany that man, I really like this, I enjoy this, I want to do this. Definitely, I just like the idea of being able to put my ideas in something that other that could communicate those ideas to other people, and so I think something was sparked in that season of my life where I was learning to write, learning to, to structure, learning to edit. And I really, really enjoyed the process. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the finished work, but I loved the process of creating. And so that something was definitely sparked then. So what was your inspiration by the time that you were 14? What was the in- inspiration to go after something at that point and write the book? Was there anything that stands out? For me, it was it really was the idea of communicating this experience that I was having with God. So I remember I was saved at 11 years old. And from the time that I was 11 years old till the time that I was 13 years old, I remember there was this very special season in my life. Of course, we always pray. We always read the word. We always study. We give ourselves a devotion like that. But during that season of my life, there was something very special taking place between the Holy Spirit and I. And so I wanted to communicate to other teenagers this idea that you don't have to wait for God to use you. You don't have to wait mm-hmm. to experience the deeper things of God. You can have those now. And so I, I just started by putting all those ideas and messages. And then I realized I could only preach the message to so many people. And then mm-hmm. I thought, well, why don't I put just some of these basic principles inside of a book so that I, just a short book that I can hand out and, and they can use to help, you know, that, that would help their prayer life was my thought. And so I remember creating uh, the, the content and getting it edited and all that. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Uh, but, but that was the first time I had really published a work. But the inspiration was definitely the idea of getting the message out to as many people as possible. Yeah. Now, what would you say for you is the genre that you mostly stay in when it comes to your writing you know john grisham has his genre i believe it's with the the suspense lawyer law stuff and then jr Rowling with the fantasy stephen king with the horror what would you say is your genre definitely pneumatology so pneumatology is the theology of the holy spirit and so i love to write about the Holy Spirit. I love to preach about the Holy Spirit. I love to teach about the Holy Spirit. And I'm glad you even brought this up because this is what a lot of people don't realize when it comes to getting published. So I'm just going to kind of jump, I mean, we're kind of jumping around here, but, but, but this, if you want to up your chances of actually getting your work published by a major publishing company, then you need to find yourself a very specific mission. So, If you're writing something generic, it's not going to really catch the attention of a publisher. So, for example, uh, my my latest work on the Holy Spirit, I could have written, you know, Encountering the Holy Spirit. But that's a topic that's been covered thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times over. 
And the truth is you're really not going to find anything new under the sun, but you've got to figure out how to come at it from a unique angle. So instead of just writing Encountering the Holy Spirit, um, I, the inspiration that I received was Encountering the Holy Spirit in every book of the Bible. And that it's that specificity that you add to it that makes it special, that brings out the attention. So you have to find your niche. You have to find your one thing. No one calls upon a generic doctor for you know, for an appointment. They don't say, I want this doctor or that doctor. I mean, most people don't, I should say. But right. only when you have a specific problem do you then call on a specialist. A specialist gets more calls than a generic uh, doctor. So if, I'm, if someone's having a conference on the Holy Spirit or having a conference on healing or on prayer, on the presence of God, that's when I usually get a phone call because those are the topics I'm known for. Those are what the topics that I enjoy. That's my passion. And so you want to really find something specific. There's a saying that goes, in order to become dynamic, you must first become specific. So as a writer, as someone who's putting out books or get, wants to get published, you have to find that one message that burns in you. I mean, I say Joseph Prince, you think grace. I say Joel Osteen, you think hope. I say Oral Roberts or Benny Hinn, you think healing. I say Catherine Coleman, you think Holy Spirit. Uh, John Eckhart, you think spiritual warfare and so on and so forth. You have to find your specific topic. That's great. Now, did you get in that right away? You knew that was your lane or was it kind of down the road that you're saying, hey, man, uh, I noticed a trend here and then went with that trend? Or did some people come alongside you and just encourage you in that lane? How did you um, how did you un understand that so uh, quickly? Honestly, that took a while to develop. My, my, okay. first, my first several books were very generic. I mean, uh, you know, one was on, you know, living the Christian life. And then the next one was on, you know, persisting in the Christian life. And then I had one on prayer, but it was very generic. It was just every, you know, stuff you've heard before. And again, you don't, you don't want to be too different because then you get into heresy. But, but <laughs> you, you want to be different enough that it's going to catch the attention of a reader or a publisher. But no, that, the, the way that developed was just through years and years of putting it into practice. So I'm 29 now. I started putting out books when I was 14. And it really was just the, the process and the practice. And you have to actually just do it. I mean, people ask me, what's the hardest part of writing a book? And really, the truth is writing the book. Actually mm -hmm. getting down, sitting in front of your laptop or getting your notepad if you want to be inefficient. And actually putting the words onto the document. That's where people find the biggest challenge. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so much I want to say about that, but let me let me let me let me give you this question because I think there's some people out there that might be wondering um, if their idea that they have for a book is even an idea that should be written about. Uh, how do you determine that, or how do you encourage people to determine whether they should write a book on a specific subject and whether they shouldn't? Well, I'm going to say something that sounds a little off topic, but I think it really plays right into what we're talking about here. Good marketing is not about convincing people to like what you've put out. Good marketing is all about finding the people that would be interested in what you've written. There you go. And then revealing your book to them. No matter what you write, there's going, there is going to be someone who loves what you've written. And there is going to be someone who hates what you've written when it comes to subjects and themes and ideas and concepts and stories, that's all very subjective as far as whether or not it's any good. 
Now, there is some objectivity in, inside of what, 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 what maybe the structure or the grammar or, or maybe the pacing or the choice of um, the choice of how to you know, lay out the chapters. Those are all very specific structures that you need to follow. But as long as you're obeying the, the rules of, of grammar and English and spelling and punctuation and structure and, and basic writing, then whatever you decide to put in there, that really is just something you got to take a risk with. Um, I think if you spend too much time wondering who is going to hate it, who is going to love it, then you'll never get around to writing a book. What you've got to write is something that excites you, something that you would read, something that you would enjoy, and then hope that the marketing is good enough that you'll find enough people like you um, who will pick it up and read it. Yeah, so kind of have that idea. And if you're passionate about the idea and you believe it needs to be put out there, the next part is there's a, there's an audience somewhere out there, and if you connect with that tribe or that audience, they're going to appreciate what you've produced. Yeah, and, and some tribes are smaller than others. I mean, that's yep, why you, you have, have to be okay with have, it. That's why you have major Hollywood productions that you know gross millions of dollars at the box office its first weekend, and then that's why you have movies with the cult following that are more uh, underground. They do okay, but they still successful in those specific subcultures. So, you know, there are different sizes of different groups. Like, for example, I'm very specific. I don't try to limit myself, uh, but, you know, I, I do very well among charismatics, evangelicals. You start getting outside of that, and that's where I pick up most of my criticism is outside of those, that circle. Yeah, and I think people all need to be true to themselves and not chase a certain crowd or audience, but just trust that that audience will find them or they'll be able to, uh, yeah, you'll find each other. So, yeah. So just take us to the beginning. What do you think? What is your process and how you start? Because there's so many methods out there on how to write a book. Um, and but what is your specific process? And maybe you could talk a little bit about other processes that you're aware of that might help people that might not be like you and I. OK, well, the pro here's the process that works for me. The process that works for me is is, is just first starting with a general theme. So you can't get specific unless you have content and you can work that content toward being specific. But, but let's say, okay, let's say tomorrow I'm praying and the Lord speaks to me and he says, I want you to write a book on prayer. And I'm going to go, okay, I'm gonna, the Lord wants me to write a book on prayer. Obviously you need to get your source material um, for people who are writing novels or stories Obviously, their source material is going to be different. I mean, I would say for that, in that case, you know, I haven't written, you know, th those types of books. But, you know, that would be where you would go travel. And, and they say that the more you travel, the more experiences you have, the better your story will be, because then you can write from different angles and personalities and whatnot. But right. when it comes to specifically writing, you know, Christian books, inspirational teachings uh, with some stories in there, uh, you know, fact-based stories, then then you're going to want to go to the first, uh, you know, source material, which is the word of God. So what I'll do is I'll start reading the word. Uh, but you ever notice how when you drive a certain car, uh, you start to see that car everywhere. So yeah, switch to from a, you know, Chevy Suburban to a C300, you're going to start seeing more C300s and, le and fewer Chevy Suburbans. The same is true of a topic. When I'm thinking about prayer, when that's what's on my mind, and I read the word, that's all that jumps out at me. I mean, I took two or three years to go through the whole Bible 
and find every instance that I could that would that that the Holy Spirit would jump out of me. And so when 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 a certain topic is on your mind, that is going to always come. You're going to hear a sermon and they're going to say one or two things that maybe have nothing to do with the major theme of their sermon, but might ha- might fit perfectly in your book. A thought that can, you know, a thought that inspires another thought within you. You don't want to get into plagiarism or stealing people's quotes, but you can mm-hmm. be inspired by certain topics and ideas and concepts and angles that people raise. So what I put together is what I, I title it on my, on my work. So if you go to my, my, my desktop, you'll see a folder with the title of the book that I'm working on, or it'll just say, like, for example, the recent book I did on the Holy Spirit, it wasn't encountering the Holy Spirit in every book of the Bible. On my desktop, it was a file that was the Holy Spirit book. All I knew was I was writing on the Holy Spirit. So what I did then is I open up another a document, and I call it like my scratch pad. And on my scratch pad, I put every single thought, every single scripture, every single story, every single quote or anecdote or statistic, Anything that I think I could use at any point possibly will make it onto that scratch pad. And there's yeah, no like structure. a brain dump, almost like yeah, a brain yeah. dump. You just, yeah, just exactly. get it out. Mm-hmm. There's no structure to it. It's just, I'm just throwing everything on there, everything I possibly can. Now, when that document becomes massive, I mean, when I say massive, I mean, that's a relative term. I'll, I'll say when that document gets to 20, 30,000 words. Then I know, okay, I can begin the writing process. And so what I'll do then is I'll create an outline, an outline with the major themes, with the major points, with the sub points that I want to make. And, you know, you can go online and, and Google how to create an outline. There, there are many different, and there's a couple formats to outlines, but a general outline will do. And I'll just make the outline. Once the outline is done, I start to pour the material from the scratch pad and place it where I think each story, each concept, each quote, each idea, each verse can possibly fit. And then I'll go to the beginning of that document and I'll just start writing. Now, when I write, I don't stop to correct myself. That's one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is. And if, if, in fact, this is probably the golden nugget I can give you when it comes to the writing process. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, I don't believe there's such a thing as writer's block. I don't have it. I don't get it. Um, and, and the reason I don't is because I, I pick topics that I'm passionate about. If you're just trying to write just for the sake of writing, that's when you get writer's block. But when mm. there's a story you want to tell, when there's a, when there's a, a message you want to get across, there is no writer's block. You just move through it. There, there's self-criticism, but that's about the only blockage that's there. But this idea that you can that you come to this place where you, you have nothing to write that that only comes when you haven't been doing the research you haven't been putting in the material um you know again and this is strictly speaking for the types of book books i write i haven't written a novel and that might be the case for that mm-hmm. but but you know so so i'll go through and i don't stop to criticize myself i don't stop to go and say well maybe that word should have been this or maybe this sentence should be said like that or maybe i should change this to that or I don't like that story there. I just write. I just write as if everything I write is perfect. The, the editing is, is later. The, the editing is a totally different phase. Right now, you're just writing your first draft, and you cannot stop to correct the grammar. You cannot stop to go, was that well written? Just write it. Just do you reread it? Do you, go, do you go back just to visit a thought, or you just keep going forward? I keep going forward. I don't reread it until I've gone all the way through. Hmm. 
because that's your first draft. I mean, and it's a very, 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 very rough first draft. I mean, it's not even, it's nowhere near ready to publish or put out there. And that's another thing too, is some people make the mistake of going too slow by criticizing everything. Others think, all right, I'm done. I'm putting this out there. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. For everyone to see. It's like, no, you don't want to do that. Because even if the material is good, if it's not well written and if it's not well structured, no one is going to, to read it. It's just not going to happen. I That's mean, what happened to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I, re I read through some of the stuff I wrote afterwards feeling like, man, I accomplished it. And then I realized, wow, the flow of thought here is really um, jumbled. And yeah, it just didn't flow as well. So that first draft uh, can trick you. You can think you have accomplished something, but it's really just the first lap of a race. Yeah, and and I would say, I would say it's the warm up. I mean, you're so you go, and I don't want. I'm not trying to discourage anyone from writing. I'm just. It, it is. It's a much easier process if you just take the pressure of this needs to be perfect right now. Just let that pressure go. Just write just to get the message across. Just get your thoughts down. And so I'll move to that first draft, right? And, and you know, after that's done, I'll go, I'll put it away for a couple of weeks. You have to leave it alone. You have to let it breathe. And then when you come back two weeks later or a week later, at least a week, give it at least a week to where you're not thinking about it. You don't do anything with it. Just leave it alone. Then you come back to it. And now you're looking at it with fresh eyes. And then you go through it. And then you go, that's when you can make some corrections and deletions and, and you just go through and you, you work on it and you, and you repeat that process again and again and again and again until you go, this is perfect. And then at that stage, I don't stop there. I mean, the writing process is one thing, but you need an editor and not just an editor, a good editor. Here's, here's another tip. A good editor is not someone who's just going to go through, correct your punctuation, spelling, yep. grammar. A good editor is going to come through and say, you know, when you said this here, it was unclear. Or, you know, that scripture doesn't really look like it doesn't really look like it supports what you're saying. Or I think this idea should be moved to this chapter or this right here is a little confusing because the sentences can be correct. The spelling can be correct. The punctuation can be correct. But the thoughts can be ambivalent and, and, and disorganized and and, you know, out of place and hard to follow and tedious and boring. So they, they, a good editor will go through and help you, you find that. And so, you know, one of the, one of the hmm. things that an editor will look out for is, is it's called the push and pull method. Picture your whole book, like several different islands. Each chapter is one island and you need to build bridges to those islands. So it can't just be chapter one is about this. Chapter two is about that. The thoughts have to flow together. So what I like to do is at the top of a chapter, I'll pull out and forgive me if I'm going all over the place. I mean, no, that's I'm good. Just, this is kind of just coming out of me here. The, 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 yeah, at the top of the chapter, I like to write something that will pull them through. You want to leave hooks all throughout the book. So I'll say something like, and forgive me if this sounds like uh, sensationalism, but you know, you, you have to use, you have to do something that pulls the reader through. So I'll say something like God wants to speak to you through this chapter. Don't miss it. You know, that maybe that's not exactly what I write, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. It's a right. hook. And then before you give them the answer or the payoff to that hook, you have to lay another one. If you give them the payoff before you set another hook, they have no reason to push forward. So it would look something like this. You know, I'll never forget what happened that night I got in a car wreck. It changed me forever. And I'm going to tell you about that. And then you go through your writing, your story. But before you tell them what happened at the end of that, you give them another hook for the next chapter. 
oh, I'll tell you know, and by the way, I got into this argument, but I'll tell you about that later. And then you get into the car wreck story. And then now they're still wondering what happened with that argument. So, so always put hooks and payoffs, but it has to go hook, you know, then another hook, then a payoff, then a hook, and then another hook, then a payoff. So you want to make sure you're pulling them through. And then at the end of the chapter, you, you're saying something that pushes them into the next chapter. So like one of my books on spiritual warfare, I talked about how powerful demonic beings were. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that chapter, I said, but, you know, they do have limitations. And I want to tell you specifically what those limitations are. And boom, the next chapter was demonic limitations. So you, you kind of you give a push and pull. And again, this is not I mean, if I was if I was writing this out, I probably would write it a little bit more uh, organized. But but this is just this is just me thinking off the top of my head about some of the, the process that I go through when, when writing Oh, no, this is good. I mean, this is even beyond the ABCs. You're taking us a DEF. But I think people that are listening to this, I'm, I'm hearing you speak. And it's like, man, although this is sobering, at the same time, it actually makes me excited about when I'm going to write again and really coming together with a thought. I think your people have their notepads out right now and are, are writing away or, or typing away on their phone, these notes, because it's, it's full of a bunch of things that are just going to be helpful for somebody starting their first book. Now, let me ask you this. Oh, I, I do want to say this, um, is uh, another thing with a good editor, I, I think they need to make sure they stay true to your voice. Because sometimes course. if an editor um, can insert their own voice and be almost objective about how they want the, their audience to hear it versus who your audience is and your voice to that audience. And so that's important as well as those punctuation, all all those other things is somebody who really knows your voice and can convey that. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I would even say, get an editor who thinks like you. Wow. How do you, how do you discover that? Well, I just do the process of questioning. I mean, what do you mean? You know, like I have very strong charismatics editing my works. Gotcha. So I'm not going to have, I mean, I love Southern Baptist. I, I love them. They're, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. But obviously we differ on several things. I'm not going to have a Southern Baptist go through because whether they want to or not, whether they're doing it intentionally or not, I think on a subconscious level, they might pull it in a different direction as they're editing. Yeah, they will have a bias um, in that. So, yeah, I get that. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, people are listening. Um, how many books have you written i totally didn't uh ask you that question to let our audience know now and, and i'm not I, I forget, every time someone asks me this question i feel uh i don't want to sound like that guy who's trying to i'm not implying i've written so many i don't know i don't want to sound obnoxious or snobby or anything like that, but i really don't <laughs> i don't i don't know how many i've written i think it's somewhere around a dozen um, okay okay but, you can get, yeah so i good. promise you i really don't know because because I'd ha- i every time someone asks i have to go back through and check because you know, the little ones count too. So you got to kind of, uh, but as far as major, you know, you know, 40, 50,000, 60,000 words, you know, where they're, you know, the paperback, that's around, I think, seven or eight that I've written of those. Uh, but, but, but again, I, I, I don't know that number offhand. I probably should though. <laughs> it's all good. We know you've written a lot and that's why we're in this interview. Now, somebody is listening to this and they're wondering, the time that it takes to write a book and hear what it is that you're explaining, they're wondering where does someone find the time? Where do they find the time? 
what would you say to those people that have it in their heart to write, but don't feel like it's the right season because they're not seeing chunks of time that they have to actually get down and start to write the book? Um, honestly, and this, I don't want to sound insensitive, but everyone really has time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's kind of the same. You, you, ever, you ever go through your budget and finally sit down and say, okay, how, where's the money going? And you start to, when you finally start to keep track of your finances, you realize I'm spending how much on going to restaurants? I'm spending right. how much on Starbucks? I spent how much at Target? You know, only when you really assess and discipline and structure do you find that you have abundance. So you have to treat your time like you treat your money. You're on a budget. You can only spend so much time doing certain things. You don't need to go to every birthday party. You don't need to go to every right. dinner. You don't need to be a part of every social gathering. You know, obviously you got to structure your day and you got to structure your time, but you have to budget it in. You simply have to do it. Whether that's waking up earlier, going to bed later, I would say put in half an hour a day. Half an hour a day, you're not going to mm-hmm. see a tremendously fast progress, but you'll see some progress in it. Half an hour a day, within six to nine months, you'll probably have much more than you thought you could. That's good. You're saying like basically take an audit of your time and then you can budget your time. You have to look at it to see where time is going. So that's good because then people will be surprised where they can find um, time to do things and when they could do less of this to be able to have that time. And then you're saying it will take some form of commitment and dedication and you're giving them a time slot like a half an hour that's good because for me i found the same thing i was getting so intimidated by the the big idea of how much time it was going to take but i was i i started off with saying i'm going to do like an hour at least once a week i'm just going to get into this and i'm really going to aim to go after a chapter and just go after it uh an hour this day, an hour, this, and then after a month, I said, I'm gonna commit to this hour a week, but then I wanna accomplish at least at least a, a chapter a month. And then I just kept breaking that down. I said, well, this is how long it should take me to, uh, so it was a starting point. And it was a starting point that had a time frame and these goals in mind to do that. I would say, yeah, it's like, it's like anything where it's like working out, it's like dieting, it's like doing anything that's of value. The key to doing it is just doing it. You have to mm-hmm. you have to stop making excuses and just do it. And then at the same time, too, I would say don't be intimidated by how big the book has to be because the book doesn't have to be anything. It could be. I mean, I I mean, I'm reading this book. I mean, I have it in my drawer right here. I'm pulling it out now. It's called Practicing His Presence. It's it's a it's a cross uh, it's a cross between a couple books by uh, Brother Lawrence and Frank Labock. And it, 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 I'm looking at it now, it's just about 100 pages, but it's half the size of a regular page. It's a small book. It's a tiny little book. And it's a classic. It's, it's sold. Yeah. In a, they sold an immense amount of copies of this book. And, and it's, it's, it's changed lives. So you don't have to, don't tell yourself, I have to make a book this big. Or, book size doesn't matter. Just as long as you get your, I've seen some people make the mistake of they get lazy and they write too little and they don't give enough information. And then I've seen people make the mistake of they write too much because they want their book to be big. And so there's all this fluff in there that's just, has nothing to do with the major themes of the book. They just put it in because 
you know, and here's another thought because, you know, since I'm on this, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but you know, some people will say, okay, I, I have this story. I have this thought. And especially ministers, we as pastors and ministers make this mistake. We, what we think we see this book, this is going to be my breakthrough book. I got to make sure to get all my good revelations in there. You know, it, it doesn't <laughs> have to be the case. You just put what has to do with the book. Just get the message, finish the message and you finished your book. No, that was a good sidebar. I just finished the book called Steal Like an Artist. And the book was impressive in its chapter, but there was so many things it uh, excluded from the, the chapters that it was really, it was robust, it was concise, but it really was sparking me a lot. And I, I almost couldn't put it down. It was easy to breeze through these chapters because he really just focus on the essence of it and at the end of it he actually showed how many things didn't make it in the book it was a book <laughs> on creativity but it was great that he said hey these are a lot of things i edited out just so that people know that in that process there's a lot of exclusion uh in in the process of writing i like to say leave them wanting more instead of begging for less <laughs> there you go now what a couple more questions here but should people go with a publishing company or just self-publish how do they determine that Wow, this is this yeah, honestly, and, and I help a lot of people do their books. I've done ghostwriting projects and I've done consulting on this. Um, this is probably the question I get asked the most often. Should I go with a major publisher or should I go with, you know, a, a, a self-publishing option? Now, when when you break that down, you got to realize it's not like there's a standard deal for both. The It's not like the major publisher. This is how it will work for you. The self-publishing. This is how it will work for you. There are hundreds of ways to do self-publishing. There are hundreds of ways to do, you know, major publishing because the, the deals are all different. The contracts are all different. Right. The services are all different. So I'll break it down simply like this. When you self-publish, let's just speak in, 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 in terms of, of, of finance. When you self-publish, you're going to make more money per book. So let's just say, let's just throw out some numbers just for the sake of conversation. Let's say your book retails at an even $10. That's an odd retail number, but that's how it retails, $10. And let's say for every time you sell that book in a sell, you self-published it, you're selling it for $10. Every time you sell it, you make $8 off of it because it costs you $2 to make, make each book. Okay, so you're making $8. But let's say you only sell, you know, 100 of them. Okay, so you made $800. Not bad. Would you rather have that? eight dollars on the hundred books you sell or would you rather have three dollars on the one thousand books that you sell through a traditional publisher so mm -hmm. in terms of, of finance it could work that way now it could also work the opposite maybe you don't sell uh, as many through the traditional publisher and maybe you sell way more as a self-published author there really are no guarantees but i personally i have the i've had the options of doing both and i've done both so i've had options I can self-publish if I want, and our, our, our viewership, our listeners, our, 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 and I, I hate to use this term, especially in terms of ministry, but we'll just say, it again, for, we'll use the marketing term, our following, and I'm not comfortable mm -hmm. using that term, but I'll use that term. Our, our following is large enough that I can self-publish a book, and we can make a, a very sizable amount off of that book. And it will go just as far as it would anywhere else because you got national distribution. Um, but, but really, that's what a publisher says they give you is national distribution. But you have that the moment you have a website. 
so it, it's based, it's really it's really nuanced because the internet and technology has changed the game. I mean, you can go and self-publish for just a couple thousand dollars and Amazon will fulfill all your books for you. So mm. when determining that, you really just have to take it to prayer and you have to ask yourself, do I want the assistance of a publisher spreading my message or do I think I have what it takes to do it on my own? I'll put it this way. If you don't have a sizable following, and, and, and again, it, it, you got to realize a lot of people will say, oh, I'll buy your book. But out of every hundred people who say they'll buy your book, you'll get one who actually does. Right. So people are very excited. Oh, awesome. Oh, save me a copy. Oh, I'll get one. Don't judge it by that. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's harder to move books than you think. So I would say for someone who's just starting out, who doesn't have, and again, this is, this is just my opinion. Um, you'll hear many different opinions from many different people. For someone who's just starting out, doesn't have a sizable following, I'd say a traditional publisher, if you can get one, do it. Sign that contract, go for it. Um, I remember my first published book was Carriers of the Glory. And we didn't have a massive following. I think our Facebook was like 20,000 followers. YouTube was like 30,000 subscribers. It wasn't like this. It wasn't like it is now. It was, it was just smaller then. And, and I remember when we did that book deal and we got launched, it, it, it took us to a whole different level. But hmm. that was because we put in work. A lot of people see the publisher as the savior. In other words, they're going to come in, they're going to publish up my book, and I'm going to be the next Rick Warren. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. A publisher is not, is not your slave. They're a partner. You have to go and do the interviews. You have to constantly push your book. You can't do one Facebook post when you launch your book and expect it to sell over the next six months. You got to be talking about it every day, constantly, through every means possible. So if mm. you, if you, again, so just rule of thumb, generally speaking, and I have to know specific situations to be able to advise more specifically. Yeah. But if I don't have, if you don't have a major following, or if you don't have something like that, I would say go with the publisher if you can get one. If you have a little, you have some traction, you think you can move some books, maybe in a group of churches that you work in, um, then I would go with self-publishing. But it all depends upon your goals. Um, now, yeah. if you want, I, I can go off on a tangent on maybe some tips on how to get a publisher, because I think that's easier than most people make it out to be. No, we'll, we'll leave that for the DEF of uh, writing a book. But that was super helpful. And I think it does give people an idea of what direction they want to go into. Now, last question here. People are excited. They're they're looking to now write a book. They're he they hear this podcast and they say, you know what? With this advice, I feel like it's doable. I'm going to go for it. I know it takes discipline. It takes sacrifice. I'm going to keep these things in mind, but I'm going for it. What should they know are going to be some of the non-monetary payoffs to having them write a book and it finally be published, whether that's self-published or through a publishing company, and when it gets out there, what are some of the payoffs that they, they can expect? Okay. I want to talk to the one who's listening to this now. You're listening to this. I want you to picture this. Imagine this. You get a, a package from UPS that arrives at your front door, and you look at it, and the person who sent it is the publisher, whether that's the self-publishing company, whether that's the printer, whatever. You get the book. You get out the scissors, the razor blade, whatever you got to open that package. And you open that package and you slide out this book. Printed, perfect bound. You flip through the pages right there on the front of that cover. You're holding it in your hand. You see your name 
under that title of that book that you've been talking about, thinking about, praying about writing for years, and you finally have it in your hand. You can touch it. You can feel it. Yep. Maybe you think I'm weird, but you can smell it when you flip through those pages. And you have that. For, there is, there, there is, there's, there, look. Again, I don't want yeah, to, again, I don't want to sound, you know, obnoxious or anything, but I've done a lot of things that, 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 that I could say are accomplishments, but there, are, there is nothing like getting that first copy of a book you finished. The, the sense of accomplishment, the joy of knowing that the message is finally on, in the page, on the paper, it's ready to go. The, 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 the celebration with friends and family as they take pictures with it and talk about how they finally did it and they get their copy and you start seeing people read it, flip through it. There's nothing like that. And, and so I think the non-monetary, if I want to, you know, if I want to, oh, if I want to spiritualize it, I'll say, oh, you're going to reach souls. Oh, yeah. And I believe in all that. I love that. But I don't know yep. why I just feel led to talk about that. I think that's going to spark someone. Just holding the first copy. It's finished. All the late nights, all the studying, all the second guessing yourself. It's finally in your hand. And if you can hold that image in your head while you're writing, it pushes you through that writing process. That is so good. Uh, you, you just took me back to when I got Evolution and I, I finally got the book. I know it was set, um, set out for a different release date, but I could not help but after holding it and want to take pictures and show <laughs> everybody and do something. But we know we want to present that in a way that the most people can, uh, it can be kind of a great reveal, but that was so hard for me to keep it a secret. I was yeah. just so enamored by uh, having something like that and accomplish I've, something. I've heard that, some authors say it's, it's almost, I mean, obviously not on the same level, but they, they, they compare it to having a kid. It's like their baby is born. Yep. Yep. I agree. It's fantastic. Well, Diga, I am so appreciative of you taking your time to share what you shared in such a prolific way. I know it's going to help a lot of people. This was uh, uh, just a, I thought it was just a subject. I was so glad that you were willing to have an interview along these lines because this, this is, I'm hearing so many different people talk to me about, they have a book, they have a book and, and, and they want to write it. And, and uh, so I, I thought who better to have a chit chat with than Diga and getting people started. This is not something that you're, um, you're new to and you had such a great way of explaining how to walk them through the process of the good, bad, and the ugly of what it means to get something written out in book form. Now, how do people stay connected with you and what you're up to? Oh, they can, just, they, media. they can, they can, all, all the books, all the videos, all the, I mean, we have, we have over 500 teachings that are available for free um, through our, our ministries. So you can just go to our website, davidhernandezministries.com. And they, that's where they can see the books, the videos, the events, everything, everything they want to know. I'm sure they're going to check into that. So uh, say that once again. Where, David, where can they get? Mm -hmm. www.davidhernandezministries.com There you have it, guys. Check him out. He's doing some great things. He's my brother on the West Coast, tearing it up over there. And uh, so thank you again and look forward to talking to you soon. Once again, what a great conversation we had. I want you to come back again because we have some more cool Christian nerd topics to discuss. If you like this podcast and you want to see other people that you care about be a part of our cool Christian nerd tribe, 
share this with them. Till next time, this is Jamie Centeno reminding you it's smart to keep your cool. Peace.